Good evening, you're all listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachme. Joining me today, we have 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. It has been a very long time since I've been on the show, so I'm not sure if you guys hate me or not, but I'm happy to be back. You've been on vacation, Troy. You don't get to, you don't get to pull Only that for card. Two weeks. There, was a, there, was a month before, there was a month before that that I posted on the show. You guys are just leaving me aside. No, it's been a run of really, really good shows, so... You don't need me at all. But I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm really glad to be here to talk about a very light and odd game. Yeah, a very uh, a, a perfect summer game. Before we get to that, we also welcome back our friend, freelance writer, Fraser Brown. Hello. So yeah, uh, today, as Troy foreshadowed, we're discussing Kingdoms and Castles, which is a very lighthearted city and castle building game from Lion Shield. And... Uh, you know, Troy, when I was telling, when I was describing this game to one of my friends, uh, he immediately said, oh, that totally sounds like one of those old Tilted Mill games. Uh, and it, it got me wondering about sort of the lineages that this game fits into. And I was wondering, like, can you take us through a little bit of, like, what Kingdoms and Castles is and what influences you think it's drawing from? Kings and Castles is a, a city builder. It's a traditional city builder with a uh, kind of a, tower defense type aspect in that you build a city and in two of the three modes, your city will be under attack from Vikings or from ogres or from dragons or whatever. So your city must always have you know, defense going. This isn't a game that at its best, I mean, you can play just sandbox with nobody attacking, but at its best, this is a game that has, is about building a city and defending it. Uh, it's a city builder that uses zones of control. It doesn't have walkers, really. It does walkers to an extent. People have to pick up supplies and drop them in places and locations. But for the most part, it's a zone of control, uh, especially for the happiness buildings. They have areas of, of effect. Um, there are a few major resources. There's wood and there's stone and there's iron. And you use the wood and the stone and sometimes gold, which you have through taxes to build your buildings. Um, and there's also iron, which you use to build weapons and tools. Tools, I think, make your uh, resource gathering more effective, but they're largely used to, uh, the iron is used to build uh, weapons and tools, and weapons go to your soldiers. It is very light. It is very um, pixelated, blocky, Minecrafty. Do we have a word for the, what it, it looks it's, like? It's a little Minecrafty, but I think the way I would describe it is... Um... Imagine like the Game of Thrones introduction, but if it was done with like Duplo blocks, uh, that's go. kind of how that game feels. They're going for a sort of eight bit, three D eight bit feel, is what I got from it. But it looks really good, and it's very crisp. Mm. Like it, it presents very well. We'll we'll get on to that. I have some thoughts on uh, what. The <laughs> what the look means uh, for the game. It is a very, it's not a very deep city builder. It has, buildings generally don't upgrade. Uh, you have, you'll be building a lot of farms to keep your people happy. There's a, there's a starvation is going to be your first big enemy. In many ways, it's a little bit like banished in that it's kind of shallow in the number of buildings it has, but it has more gameplay than Banished has. Uh, you'll be fighting, uh, your biggest enemy will be, am I bringing in enough food right now? Am I keeping my people happy? You need to tax them to get the gold. When you tax them, they're unhappy, so you've got to keep them happy in other ways, or just turn the taxes off, and then people run away. And it's, it's a, There's an ebb and flow of population. There's an ebb and flow of attacks. Uh, it is... I mean, it, it draws, I think the Tilted Mill 
parallel is kind of interesting. I don't think it has, you know, nearly the depth of, say, a Children of the Nile yeah, type game, uh, or even a Stronghold uh, game. But I'm not a big, huge fan of the Stronghold games uh, myself. But this is, um, it's a good. It, it, it's baby's first city builder with battles. It, it, <laughs> yes. It, 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 it harkens back to the, the really old Impressions games, I think, in very many ways. It's a little more sophisticated in how it handles combat, because Impressions was never very good with combat. And this is much better than those, because it's a central mechanic. It's not something tacked on to give Roman soldiers something to fight. It is really the whole point of the game, is to build elaborate castles with towers and moats uh, and the like. Um, so it is a game that I'm kind of on the fence about. We'll talk on my feelings about it a little later, but that's kind of, I think the best description of it is a game with, you know, food and wood and dragons. It is very medieval. Yeah. I think what's quite funny is that a lot of the games that we talk about on 3MA, they're kind of pandering to us. They're, they're for a certain kind of strategy demographic, but this isn't really for us. This is as... Troy said, like a sort of first city builder experience. But I think that's a, a great thing because recently someone asked me to recommend a city builder and they had, I think they'd maybe played some of the Impressions games a long time ago, but they didn't really have a huge amount of experience and and they wanted something quite new. I couldn't just say like, oh, if you've enjoyed Pharaoh, maybe you'll enjoy Zeus because it's, it's getting a bit long in the tooth. So... I kind of racked my brain and I couldn't really come up with anything that felt like a good introductory game. You've got Banished is quite light on the actual city management, but it's also quite punishing as well. It's got this whole survival system going on, as does things like Avon Colony. It's I guess we're going to probably see more survival city builders, I don't know. Might even and have a show on it. It might even have a show on it, yeah. <laughs> um, and even something like Skylines, which I love and I recommend to pretty much anyone who likes yeah. a city builder, I I think there's a lot in there that's quite tricky to get to wrap your head around if you're new to the genre. There's budgeting and managing like districts, <laughs> and it's it's a positive thing. But I think if you had never really played these sorts of games, you would just be inundated with numbers and problems and things, and you just wouldn't be able to necessarily relax but this kingdoms and castles actually gives you a game that has all of the features you'd expect from a city builder um, or at least the vast majority of them but sort of simplified and made a little bit easier to understand uh, i think that's a that's a boon i think that's going to introduce people to because it because it doesn't ignore huge chunks of the genre everything you'd expect is in there it's just maybe not as deep so it's interesting hearing you both approaching this from the city builder side, which which it is, but the way I approach this game is actually very different and is maybe a little more specific to me. Uh, as I think you're both aware, having been on the show with me a number of times, uh, I have sort of a fixation on uh, my fort defense game, right? Like my ideal, uh, my, my Sim Vauban. Uh, simulator is is what I'm looking for, and there aren't many games that really satisfy that. Like tower defense games are are too puzzle like, uh, but a lot of your games that are about like fortified architecture, I think fall into a few traps. Like 
Stronghold is an RTS game with some construction, and to sustain that fast pace, it makes your castles all a bit crappy, right? They they just crumble at the, you know, somebody whacks it with a sword and it starts coming down in chunks, uh, which is not really what I want from my from my castle builder. Um, Lords of the Realm is a little bit closer, but Lords of the Realm is also very much about like managing the medieval, medieval economy. Um, it's you know. Also, it's very it's very much that entire series is very much of its era where you you go into that series thinking, yeah, I want to command medieval armies and like storm castles and defend them. And what Lords of the Realm kind of says is like, yeah, but how do you feel about like sliders? A lot of sliders. And so what I like about kingdoms and castles is that really it's it's this very symbiotic design where uh, I, I think it's really speaking to me in that it knows what I want, which is a pretty decent fort game where the fort is pretty sturdy and like feels like it's actually like a strong piece of architecture, but it's still something that you have to carefully plan and design uh, against various sorts of threats. But in order to make that interesting, there's just enough city management uh, to sort of force you into some interesting dilemmas about how you expand your fort and and what you can build in any given time, uh, and and so you know at first glance, uh, I, I find that Kingdoms and Castles is is really kind of the um, the the city builder the 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 castle sim that you know I've, I've really always wanted, um, but then at the same time. Some of the things that I really like about it, its approachability, its ability to, um, you know, cut to the chase, also end up turning me off a little bit because, and this is where I become a hypocrite, <laughs> it's good that there's not too much city ma- city management, but at the same time, I maybe wish there were a little bit more. Like, I feel like I run out of cool things to do with my city way sooner than... I would like, you know, I feel like I'm finished with a playthrough before I feel like I'm finished with the game. See, but then that's where you start dabbling with the more experimental or cosmetic side of things. Because you're talking about building these really kind of stalwart fortresses. But you could just keep going and expanding and building these elaborate structures that maybe you don't necessarily need because the Viking and dragon attacks, at a certain point, you've got enough archer towers and ballistas that it's not an issue anymore. Man, the dragons um, are way less scary, by the way. Like, the dragons are really weak. I mean, you've got to worry about ogres more because they can yeah. just pummel your towers. And if you've got a few of them and they aren't, because they take a while to die, they can... I actually saw an ogre <laughs> because he was too... My archer tower was just out of sight of him. So he got to pummel a... I think it was like a 10-stack tower? And it, it just Good collapsed. Lord. And that was that the amount of effort I'd put into that tower. Because that, that's something that I find... I think that's the one thing that this does that other games, uh, other city builders, things like that, don't do. And it's allowing you to actually dramatically customize by building up. Like, you can keep building and building and building these walls to the point where you've not got a wall now. You've got a massive tower. And you can have it defend, you know, maybe you need to build it near your farms because they're getting raided by Vikings or something else. And it just, I've still not gotten to the, the maximum uh, height for a tower yet. There's an achievement, Tower of Babel, which is, I, th- I imagine you can't build any higher than that. But I'm still, 
still working towards it. And it's just towering over everything. And it's not that practical, really. But it's just been the range bonus actually... is nice. The range bonus is nice, exactly. And it, but it it just looks brilliant, and it actually looks even more like the intro sequence from Game of Thrones because it is just it's the way it sprouts out of the ground as you construct it. I like to save all of my stone for one massive giant construction project, so it keeps building, so there's no gaps. It just erupts out of the earth. Uh, well, let's don't. I mean, it faces onto something with the whole aesthetic part of uh, you know, the late mid game and the end game because when you're starting uh, a, a a town a castle a fort your first priority is you can't really make you can't start by building the walls you have to start by building all of these farms and then you get attacked so you have to have you know rudimentary defenses just stick a tower anywhere and for the first you know few hours of the game your defenses are pretty much going to look like they were cobbled together by an idiot namely myself uh you know there's you'll have some walls and some gates but it's not going to look like a proper fort until you've got you know you have your defenses in place and you can protect your mines and your quarries and you can accumulate the resources to build a proper castle which i think was my problem with the stronghold games is the castles never really looked like castles even in the game castles the castles didn't look like castles they were just like it was efficient to just build a small tiny keep where the archers could cover each other it wasn't really a proper castle here because the attacks and invasions can come from anywhere eventually you will want to expand you'll want to take over as much of the island as you can with walls but you'll be strong enough generally to you know be working on customizing something actually kind of elegant and kind of you know joyous guard type castles from fantasy literature uh in certain parts you will have moats will be useful and gates will be fun and you know you can build your idiot tower to the sky until it collapses under an ogre and then all of your workers are speaking different languages like fraser is insisting on doing uh <laughs> Or you can, you know, build something that is, you know, really great defensive, something that looks nice, but is still practical. And I think you're onto something, Rob, with the idea of this is, you know, a way to build a nice fort. And, you know, to have to to have to see the waves of enemies crash like waves of the ocean against the rocks you've piled up with archers on top and maybe a few ballistas. Um, I think it does get to the point where I think one of the problems with the game is that the challenges don't ramp the challenge of attacks don't ramp up in aggressiveness or strength to match your defense and i guess that's, that's probably okay they don't want you to have to build something and have to rebuild it constantly because it's always being torn down i mean that's no fun it's no fun to build a fort and have to rebuild it all over again um but it would be nice if there were you know a few more different types of danger uh, types of attacks, types of threats, maybe something internal you need to protect, maybe to defend against spies, maybe you need to defect against sappers or miners, um, you know, to make things even more interesting, and to really um, elaborate the fork defense part of the game. And, so, and it, I really do like that part of it, um, much more than the city builder, which is kind of fun in the early going because you have all of these because you have to deal with these trade-offs i mean you need to build that archer tower but when do you build it when do you have enough resources to build that archer tower when you also need to have more workers and you kind of want need more farms and what are you building eventually those trade-offs don't exist anymore you get to the point where 
you're rich enough to do pretty much anything. And that's okay. I mean, that that's the snowball effect. We expect that in strategy games. And eventually most city builders get to that point. Um, but because it's a game about attack and defense, I'd like to see a little more challenging stuff. But as a, you know, as a work of as building works of art, as you know, as the architect of a castle sim, I kind of like that part quite a bit. Um, in spite of the the, the Duplo uh, graphics, yeah, and I I don't know the degree to which its drawbacks are also directly related to some of its re- real appeal, right? Like, I think one of the reasons that it's so easy to get into this game and you so quickly get to the part that you're really there for, which is building these defenses and trying to figure out how you're going to secure, you know, what's the most valuable patch of turf that you can ring with walls. Uh, and and what can you what do you just need to put off uh, for now? What what's not worth really defending? The reason you can get to those problems so quickly is because the city construction isn't that complicated. But that complexity is what allows a game like City Skylines to have not really an end game, but you can sort of endlessly optimize. Uh, you know the the city never really becomes a dead thing that you just like start ignoring because. In general, it always feels like there's another way you can maybe improve it a little bit, and you end up kind of endlessly tweaking and working on your city. Kingdoms and castles, because it's because the needs of your citizens are so simple, because your economy uh, really only has two tiers of, of item, uh, and, and there's so few things that those items are required to do. Um, there's no there's no sort of room for that kind of management, no need for it, which allows the game to move along at a really fast clip. Uh, it allows you to get to the the really really good stuff because I do think there's a problem uh, in strategy games, uh, particularly city builders, uh, but also maybe some RTSs where it's sort of the box art problem, right? Where it's like you know you look at you look at the Age of Empires box with like these epic defenses and like towers and 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 walls and everything, and your your game never looks like that. You never get to that point of, of the game. Uh, Kingdoms and Castles definitely lets you sort of construct that fort of your dreams, but it's easier than you think. And once you got it, there's much less to do with it. You know, it's it's very much like, uh, you know, when you when you buy yourself something, you know, when you treat yourself, right? You buy your something yourself something ridiculous, and at first you're really thrilled it's there, and then you're like, all right, now what? And it's sitting in your living room, and there's there's not much to do with it. Rather like Max feels about Fraser, I suspect. <laughs> That's very mean, <laughs> hurting my heart. But I would I would actually. I, I generally agree with you, but I, I I don't think it's entirely fair because there are certain wrinkles and obstacles that the game throws your way if you're not paying attention. Um, I'd had a pretty easy time, uh, and I'd gotten to, I don't know, year 150 at a city. Um, but then I had I had a lot of resources, and I had a lot of building projects I wanted to do, and I wanted to just look make my city look quite fancy. Um, So I embarked on these epic building projects and I wasn't really paying attention to my people because I was so engrossed in being a builder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I overexpanded. I like way too many houses and way too few people. Um, My actual, uh, you know, all my farms, which had been working perfectly well, suddenly were not enough to maintain this explosion in population that came when people 
started to see all these empty houses. And then these people that came into the empty houses left because there was no food or died or some of them just started dying of old age. And then a plague happened. And all of these things, just because I'd overexpanded, these uh, problems I could have overcome with things like a hospital or just building more farms. But to build more farms, I needed people who were free to build them, so I had to shut down other services to get them to build. And it all spiralled out of control for a little bit. I got it back, it it's became manageable again, and that's, I think, an important thing. that You always know that you can fix a problem. Um, that it's not just the end of the game, yeah. that there's a solution, you just need to take a step back, destroy some There's buildings. no fatal tailspin in this game. Exactly. So I'd had like, I had 250, 300 people or something, and I ended up down to like 50. Whoa. And then I built it back up. Yeah, it was bad. The, a plague. That is and apocalyptic. Then no, yeah, and there was nobody in the hospitals anymore be, uh, to sort the plague out um, because I needed food. So I had to have this trade-off. But it got down to 50, one person ended up becoming a doctor, the plague stopped, and it didn't take too long to get back up to my original number, and I've just been expanding a little bit more, um, you know, I've just been a bit more in control of myself, let's just say, instead of being like, a hundred houses! So I mean, I, but those are classic city builder problems, right? I they mean, are, that's of that's this the sort of thing, and, and that's kind of great. I mean, that's, it is. that that, that it's, shows it's a kind of that's why it's a good introductory city builder because that yeah. it's a lesson that no matter how many city builders you play, you will always overextend in at least one of them, and you'll go through this boom crash cycle. Um, and here, the penalties aren't so bad necessarily that you could ever come back to them and you would have lost you know days and days of building because the game's simple enough to rebound but it's a good lesson for people who pick this up and maybe have played a lot of city builders that oh there is a foundation to my every city builder has a foundation stat and in this one it is food and population and you have to keep those in equilibrium i think if and if you can play a game of this and succeed i think then it makes your next city builder much more easy to understand. Uh, and you won't have to spend like all of these beginning turns just kind of mucking around and not really knowing what's going on or why things are going wrong, because you've already got a little bit of that experience. And it does prepare you both for sort of the uh, impression style, like Walker city builder, uh, where it's all about pathing and, and routing. Because uh, there's a tiny bit of that. There's a bit of that, but then it's also a zone of control, very much like uh, a lot of other city builders, like City Skylines, uh, like, well, Anna's, uh, Anna's really just more about an economic ladder. Uh, it's, I, I can't remember if it's more about pathing or, or zone of control. I think it uses both. Uh, but, one of the things that, like, I also had food struggles uh, in in Kingdoms and Castles, and I think part of it is it's very easy. the The thing the game is good at showing you is whether or not you have enough food overall for your population. But just because you are making enough food does not mean that it is getting to people effectively. And that's what caught me out was that my solution. I built this huge like agricultural district. I basically like. You know, I, I had the equivalent of like, uh, you know, Iowa, Illinois, and, uh, you know, Michigan just sort of like all arrayed in a row. And I was like, great, that should be more than enough food. And people kept starving. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw in more farms. <laughs> that'll, that'll solve the problem. Uh, and it wasn't because the issue was that 
the food, there were two things. One is that food goes bad uh, if it doesn't get to a granary uh, quickly enough, if, if, the, if it takes too long to bring the harvest in. Uh, but also, each housing unit needs to have its head of household go to a place where food is stored. And if that person cannot make that run uh, in, a, in, in the correct length of time uh, between food intervals, the household starts to starve. And what I had created was a city where, like, heads of households were starting these, like, dawn-to-dusk death marches uh, trying, to get their, <laughs> trying to get their daily bread. Uh, and they were starving because the route was too long. And so, and by the way, that city was, like, it was sort of my starter city. And I never really did solve that problem so much. I just started, like... In the houses where the dead people used to live, I just started building farmland. Uh, so it's like your neighbors died, and you converted their home to a lovely garden. Uh, and it, you could eventually build a marketplace, which is like a central area for all the heads of households to walk to. Um, you also build bakeries. That. Yes, and you could build bakeries as well, um, which they need uh, crops, and do they need like lumber charcoal. and something as well? Is it charcoal? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Lumber so you've got to have this. Yeah chain of production basically um but what i really like and i appreciate is that even if the route is obviously too long for them they'll make an attempt yep they'll do it anyway even if they know they're not going to reach it in time and the food's going to go rotten they're going to get out there and they're going to do their job whereas in say um like any of the impressions games if they're not in the right area the the workers often just won't go there they'll just ignore the warehouse um because it's too far away and uh, so i appreciate they'll make an attempt and then it gives you a little opportunity to maybe like you just build a house somewhere else or you just shift a few buildings around it's it, it's not too difficult to fix these problems if you realize in time and i think that's something that's really important here too is that it, I, something that's very discouraging both about strategy games in general and city builders in particular, I think, is when it feels like your mistakes, your mistakes that are far enough in the back in in the history of the game, uh, that like what you did wrong isn't immediately apparent because you, you the choices you made that were critical uh, are, are too far in the past to have a really solid perspective on when thing when the consequences become apparent. Uh, it can feel like, A, you just d have no idea how, how you screwed up or why. You don't understand the mechanics of it. But then also, uh, you're trapped in a failure spiral that you cannot escape and the game ceases to be fun. And I think a lot of city builders fall into that trap. Like, I like the impression city builders. When they start to go wrong... I think I hate them more than any other city builder I've ever played. Like, oh, the, the, oh yeah. Like, it, it's, the, the, the late impression city builder became math puzzles more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Did you count how many tiles of your wheat farm was away from something else to make sure that you do it at the very beginning. Know where your wheat farm is supposed to be for optimal uh, supply. And Anno has sort of that Euro game from hell. Uh, approach to city building where it's like mm -hmm. you know you need you need five of resource a and three of resource b and one of resource c in order to create this worker who generates who generates resource d of which you need four for re like it just it's this endless economic pyramid 
um, which I don't know, maybe it's also a very effective critique of capitalism. Who can say? But the point <laughs> is, like, once that scaffold starts to break apart, and it's very easy to do because the math gets it's not complicated math. There's just a shit ton, a shit ton of it. And a lot of like interrelated ratios. And so once an anno game starts to get away from you, once again, it feels like, Oh, you're going to keep falling. Like as one floor of the scaffold collapses, it takes out two floors below it. Right. And it just keeps plummeting. And it feels like, okay, your entire game is this inescapable death trap. What I dig about kingdoms and castles. And I, and I think like, more games can borrow from this should should pay attention to this uh if the, i don't know if this can be balanced with complexity and depth but i like that kingdoms and castles doesn't feel like it's going to lay waste to you completely before you hit rock bottom and you can start rebuilding like and rebuilding is going to be fine it's going to be fun it's going it's not going to take too long i like that this feels like a very encouraging game and it feels like, yeah, you are lightly punished for mistakes, but you also have a chance to like quickly learn from them and move on. And that's something that a lot of strategy games could could do. You mentioned, uh, Rob, the uh, in Anno, the the different types of workers, uh, the different jobs, and like a lot of these city builders have different classes and jobs and roles and things like that. And I I I like those things. I think having different jobs and also social mobility where you can upgrade your house and you can basically get like a sort of promotion to a different class. Um, I think they're really interesting uh, systems, but uh, this doesn't have that quite as much, but what yeah. it has is in many ways more interesting because um, workers gain sort of experience almost just by doing a job and they can have multiple jobs. So if you click on your little citizens, you might see one of them is like a master farmer, but he's also uh, a journeyman smith. But um, did you find that information like mattered at all? Like, cause, cause to me, it basically meant if your city's been stable for a while and they're all your production like buildings. Have, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when but, things were going well, every place was like master this, master that. But what I appreciated was that it meant, in a pinch i had people who were handy at multiple jobs if i had mm. an issue it wasn't like oh i've lost all my clergymen or oh i've lost all of my farmers there's probably going to be someone who is okay at doing those things Th and can actually jump into that position this is random it occurs to me to ask did you ever see things like master builders pop up like if you kept like a class of idle because what you need in order to do anything is idle workers. Those are the people who are going to go out and chop down trees if necessary uh, for like special orders as opposed to working for the forestry service. Uh, the, but they'll go out and they'll build the walls, they'll build, they'll build all the buildings. And you need those idle workers in order to create any kind of new construction because if non-idle workers are assigned permanently to production buildings. So I'm curious, like, if you ever noticed anyone skilling up at construction itself? I just had all of... See, I never had anyone who was an idle worker. I had people who had jobs who would, when I need them, become workers, uh, construction workers and things like that, because I just thought it was more efficient. So I would shut down a superfluous thing that I was using to build just more stone for a project. Mm. Um, I would shut down one of those mines and then all four of those uh, miners would suddenly become idle workers and would immediately go and start constructing another tower for my vanity. Um, 
So I, I never actually had like a pool of them just waiting around for things like that. They always had a, another job. Yeah. Um, so talking a little bit about the uh, the military threats. Um, so you face two threats. One, like you've got dragons and Vikings, and I'm very disappointed in the quality of dragon. Uh, I feel like dragons should be scary. Uh, dragons should be like you know here to lay waste to your kingdom. And here they're just uh, they're they're kind of a nuisance and are easily shot down. Like they they kind of hover in the vicinity of archer and ballista towers uh, and just and just wait to get murdered. So once you got enough of those things set up, uh, dragons kind of ceased to be a problem. The Viking raids, however, kept getting bigger and worse. Uh, the bigger your city, it seems, um, the more Viking ships show up and the more ogres they bring with them. And ogres, as Fraser alluded to earlier, uh, just kind of walk up to walls and start chunking them down. Uh, basically, for every punch, they reduce a, a wall level by one. Uh, so if you've just got like a thin level one wall, the, the shortest wall there is, uh, a single punch and the, the ogre will be through it. Uh, actually, two punches, I think, because uh, I think the base level starts with two hit points. Uh, but as you add height to the walls, the walls also get stronger. And so... What I found myself doing was I started creating, like, reinforced areas of the walls, particularly around, like, defensive buildings, right? So, like, I'd have my ballista turret, but it would be protected by a couple levels of taller wall. Now, the other reason you need sort of these sections where the entire part of the entire area is elevated is because you can only build a tower so high uh, without supporting towers around it so like the wall needs to rise with the tower uh so that there's like structural support you can't just like stack up vertically endlessly uh you you have Luckily, to sort you just of have any rise one together. more you just need one more supporting wall on its side though uh you just need two basically standing next to each other so like because it the way it explains it it implies that you have to build walls all around that tower uh, yeah. So if you're wanting to build one tall tower, you'd have to have like a whole square of walls, but you don't actually need that. You just, you just need, need one, one for support. Yeah, so you could build like a two-width tower, basically. Well, that's disappointing. Um, I because I, I figured out I figured that the ones that it were looks diagonal cooler didn't do didn't do yeah anything, they did but they don't do anything the, the diagonal ones yeah. Um, but I mean, I would. I, I think it's still better to build. A, oh, for sure. Right, and create like a thick tower because it just it's harder to you, destroy. You definitely want thick nicer. corners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other it thing just means is if that if you've not got that much stone, you can be a little bit more economical with it. Yeah. The the other thing is that the taller the tower, the longer the range of the ballista and the uh, the archers, and then the the final thing that comes up is that. So Vikings, until the wall is breached, will just start walking around the city trying to find a gap. I don't know what happens if there literally never is any gap. Do they just walk around the city until they die? Uh, is that that sort of seems to be the behavior? Yeah, because uh, I've never seen them flee like the dragon does. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't always... get. They don't leave until they've torched something. Um, and they can kid. It's like yeah, they they burn stuff and steal people. Yeah, kill. It looks like the kill. Uh, you hear people screaming. And, and this is the other thing that uh, the reason this matters is that 
what attracts new workers to your city is happiness, things that do not make people happy, starvation, plague, death by dragon. Uh, if and Vikings. Just if there have been Vikings yeah. hanging around, people don't want to move in. Right. And so if you can, like... If you can like minimize Viking damage, everyone's like, "Cool, you did a great job." People love killing dragons. Uh, that's great for morale. Uh, people want to move to a town that's really good at killing dragons. Uh, but if you screw up your defenses, uh, there's going to be like emigration. New workers are going to be hesitant to join you. Uh, but yeah, so the Vikings will get back on their ships once they've like inflicted a certain amount of damage. Uh, otherwise, they will just try to walk around your city until there's a breach in the wall, uh, which the ogres are usually pretty good at producing at some point. But at the same time, to, to help fend this off, uh, you have your defensive turrets, but then you can also recruit heroes and have heroes sort of recruit soldiers to join them, and then they can be sent to sort of guard choke points and uh, deal with breaches, and or even go out in the field and fight the Vikings there. It's a simple little thing. Um, and again, like it's a place where I wish there was maybe just a little more to it, uh, but the the way it ends up working is just if you have a vulnerable vulnerable point open up. You send your hero with the soldiers, and they will engage whoever comes through the breach at that point. Uh, and you've got enough soldiers. I've seen them pretty much tear Viking armies apart pretty quickly too, uh, without much trouble. So they're they're kind of an they're a pretty major investment of like manpower and economy, but they're really useful once people get in. Uh, and that's kind of that's about as in depth as the the military stuff gets, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, once you under after a few attacks, you're going to kind of understand what you need to do. Although the actual uh, recruiting of like soldiers and generals, uh, the actual buildings you need for them uh, require I think quite a lot of stone and wood and uh, things that I think maybe the blacksmith makes. So there's there's a cost involved to some of those higher tier buildings so you won't have them initially you will just maybe have you won't even have a tower or you'll just have maybe a little stub with an archer bit on the top just to guard your whole little farm so i'm curious like we've, we've mentioned there's not a ton of depth to this game how much is that becoming an actual negative for you because I'll be honest, like, over the weekend I played a lot of this game, and I sort of thought I'd hit that point where the lack of depth was becoming fatal. Like, I played, I had a game get, start going very, very smoothly. I basically stopped having to worry about Viking attacks. Like, an ogre always smashed through the wall somewhere, but, like, nobody ever got in. Uh, it was it was becoming pretty rote, and there just wasn't, there was still a lot of map left to colonize, but, like, there was no, there was no, motivation to do so i was just kind of i i felt like there was just nothing left to do with the game and i was starting to sour pretty badly on kingdoms and castles and then a couple things one i went to the higher difficulty which in this there's not really difficulty here it's more uh map types like the basic map has no military stuff whatsoever, which I can't imagine being fun. I never, I never played on it because, like, without the invasion stuff, I don't know what there is to this game. Uh, then the 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 sort of default setting has lots of resources, a pretty fertile and, and hospitable climate, lots of 
uh, good food producing tiles. So it's very forgiving. Uh, easier map layouts, I would say, uh, to, to sort of experiment with configurations. And then the highest difficulty seems like the land is more broken up, a uh, little, little more like island chains rather than like a central landmass. Resources maybe a little scantier. And then maybe more aggressive, uh, you know, Viking attacks, though I haven't really felt much difference. But starting a few games on that, it's still a lot of fun in that in those early to middle stages when you're still like trying to find your footing and, and set that economy up and and establish those those basic defenses. Kingdoms and Castles, I think, remains pretty damn good. It's just it doesn't have much of an end game, but it is a fun game to sort of like start and restart again. Uh, and so I, I became a little more forgiving. I lightened up a little bit about the depth. Uh, I saw misgivings, but I, I'm just not sure. I'm curious where you guys have ended up. I think the aesthetics make me more forgiving of it. And um, I want to make a comparison to another game that came out very recently, a roguelike called Kingsway, which has the conceit that it is, the UI is based on like a Windows 95. So uh, your inventory is a window that you drag and drop things into. If you're with a critical hit, your windows start dropping uh, down to the bottom bar. Uh, things are moving along, like virus pop-ups uh, that poison you. So it's kind of a weird aesthetic for what is a very simple roguelike. If it was just a traditional roguelike where I moved along the map, I probably would not be playing Kingsway as much as I am. The stupid, silly UI conceit, I think, makes it a better game, even though the game itself is just your typical, you know, move across the map and kill monsters, uh, like most roguelikes are, and collect, could level up your dude and collect items. Well, I like Kings and Castles as much as I do, and I kind of, and I'm not a big, huge fan, but I, I don't dislike its uh, shallowness. What I appreciate what it is doing more or less if it was, if it looked like an Age of Empires game, or it looked like a Stronghold game. If it was the same shallow play, but it had pretenses to be a photorealistic uh, type RTS with, you know, proper 3D sprite soldiers attacking me instead of blocky dudes carrying yellow squares of food from the farm to the granary. And I think this is, you know, why I'm really big on game aesthetics. And I think the aesthetic of the game is kind of its secret weapon. It tells you, look, we're not taking this all this seriously. This is a fun, light distraction. You will get your hours of play out of it, and you'll appreciate it, and that'll be fine. Um, and I think that is one reason why it's probably as popular as it is, even though, yeah, the mechanics are mechanically alone. This is a very slight RTS. If this looked like Banished, I would probably dislike it as much as I dislike Banished. I, I just kind of appreciate being able to enjoy it and not be very stressed out all the time. Because I think, because so many modern city builder or management or like there are a lot of like colony management games i like uh, oxygen not included and rim world which have a lot of similarities with your city builders um it's all about stress and pressure and trying to survive challenging odds and that's great i like 
the uh, I like this path that a lot of these games are taking. But sometimes I just want to watch some garbage on Netflix and build a fun castle. You know, something that, that doesn't require all of my attention, but I still enjoy it. It's still fun. Um, and I can maybe let it go idle for five minutes because there's a really cool fight scene in Daredevil or something, but then go back to it and I'm back in control. And it's nice to have those ones that don't demand constant attention and busy work. Uh, I don't think it's... I think if you're looking for this really deep, complicated management game or city builder, then you're not going to find it here. Um, but I think there are a lot of different types of, of games that we can have in this genre. I don't think it just needs to be like hardcore city builder. And I, I don't think... And I think there are a lot of there are a lot of mobile city builders out there that are just garbage. But it's that's like the only alternative if you want something a little bit more casual and relaxing is a really shitty mobile game that's kind of you're just waiting and waiting unless you want to just throw money at it. Um, yeah, this just lets you do everything that you want, and it's also I think it's pretty cheap as well, isn't it? It's like under a tenner. Yeah, it's like ten dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you got. I, I think that's a really good that's good value because it's still it's not a deep game but it's still quite a big game i think um yeah i hear both i i hear i hear all of that like i think i'm I'm definitely with troy if the aesthetics were different this game presents itself as a toy like when i was sort of like thinking about how i related to this game uh but did, did any of you ever see uh, a child's christmas in wales Old yeah. movie. It's a, it's an old Paul. Uh, it's a very sentimental, like, what it was like growing up as a little boy in, in Wales in the early 1900s or so. Uh, it's but miserable. <laughs> uh, humble and charming, uh, as, as related through the narration by Denholm Elliott. Uh, but there's this point where, like, what's he doing? What's the little boy doing on Christmas morning? He sets up. Uh, a castle playset and puts like lots of little soldiers on the ramparts and then he imagines like if the soldiers were like alive and moving around and then he starts like whipping things at the castle to like knock the soldiers off the wall that's kind of how this game feels to me playing it is like it is a toy set it is uh it, it's it's something that feels like it's to sort of stimulate the imagination of a child, uh, but not necessarily like trying to simulate any kind of reality. And so definitely I think I end up expecting it, it. It's aesthetics suggest and set expectations in a way that I think is uh, very flattering to the game's design. Uh, I'm also not sure how much of what I like about the game could be preserved if it were getting a hell of a lot more ambitious. Like, I really do wonder, you know, at what point, if you're trying to, like, create a few more enemy types, if you're trying to create a few more trade-offs with the economy, at what point does that sort of breezy simplicity, that sort of failure-proofing uh, start to break down? I don't know. Where I'm sort of at with this game is that it feels a little bit to the city builder, like, ultimate general civil war is to the 19th century war game uh you know it's it tries to cut out most of the things that would alienate players from 
from getting this experience, but I don't think it fully succeeds sort of at, at being analogous to like a unity of command, right? Where it also manages to like evoke, it, it also manages to create a lot of the, the higher level concerns and considerations that drive uh, the genre at its best, at its most sophisticated. Uh, this game stopped short of that. And I don't fault it for that, but it does feel like it has a lower ceiling, both of skill and experience, than I would otherwise, than than I would than I would than I would hope for. It looks like it's going to be. Uh, it, it's not actually completely finished yet, though. I mean, it's, so it's not an early access. It's a full game. If you buy yeah. it, you get version one point zero, or I think it's maybe already been updated. But there are like updates that they've planned with new features both on the the kind of the military side of things the defense mm-hmm. side of things and the the management so there's more stuff being added to the the very thin there's not really an economic side of the game at all really you can right. tax people and you can decide how you tax them but now they're going to be uh merchants and i think like harbors or ports and stuff so that merchant ships will sail up to your your town, and uh, you can buy things from them, and they'll sell things to you. Uh, and they, uh, according to the roadmap on Steam, they'll offer upgrades for your town and castle, so you can keep expanding and doing new things. And then on the the military side of things, there's a an actual hero system because Rob, you were calling them heroes, but they're actually generals, I think. Yeah. In the game, uh, and the hero you'll have complete control over so you'll actually be able to guide it around and uh, there's different types of heroes so they can actually help with management and combat yeah so that's so there's still some new ideas but i have no idea when they're coming a, tra- a trade system's great because sometimes i just want to buy the stone mm-hmm. yeah like you've got a lot of gold or like way too much i've always got way too much lumber so yeah. Now, but the, those four, those foresters plant trees faster than they cut them down. <laughs> I've had to block run off parts of the map. Like same, right? Yeah, and I think I think it changes based on how fertile the surrounding area is. So, like, if a forester is in a really fertile region, like forests will be sprouting up like mushrooms. Like, I had to keep cutting my way through a forestry area. Uh, every time like an attack happened and the for- forester was burned down, like immediately, like it just became impassable. Uh, and in thinner <laughs> areas, uh, then obviously it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Um, I am curious, like <laughs> just talking about how we build our cities. Uh, did you try to enclose everything? Uh, did you try to make the entire economy self-contained, or did you like? generally focus on putting higher value stuff behind the walls and then lower value stuff, more replaceable stuff outside the walls. I created little villages as I expanded like off in, in areas maybe if there's somewhere off in the map with a, a good mine, some fertile ground and stuff like that that's maybe easy to defend, I would expand my roads because you, you expand your your zone where you can build your zone of control by building roads. It simply expands. So around that road, you can build new things. And um, so I, I send my my workers out to construct roads all the way across the map. And then I would give them little guard towers and things like that just to protect them. Maybe like one quite tall guard tower just looking out. 
Um, and it was quite risky, but I just liked the idea of having, because it's, you know, it's called Kingdoms and Castles, so I wanted to feel like I actually had a kingdom uh, with little villages. But it, it, they're starting to get, like, swallowed up as my city yeah. consumes the entire map, even on this kind of archipelago one I'm playing on at the moment. Yeah, I um, I definitely like this is this is my sort of my fatal flaw when it comes to city builders in general is that i start from the first minute i don't like i don't ever want to have to revisit a decision which is dumb because like the nature of these things is your needs change things scaffold upwards um sure. but i'm like no i'm going to centrally like it's it's very like I I think I guess like French Enlightenment right where it's like but what if we created a city that from like the moment of its of its foundation like had a rational layout uh, that could infinitely <laughs> expand and so I end up trying to do that which means that basically my approach to this game is like hey your first like eight or nine Viking attacks like yeah people are gonna die uh, but that's you know nothing can be done about that. Uh, as but long as what I have a, city... a tidy grid network. Yeah, what <laughs> a city the survivors will inherit uh, eventually. And so, like, I start by, like, my first layer of the fortress is always too big. It's always too uh, built up. But then I keep most of the farmland outside of it. Like, basically, all the high-value homes, lots of manors, uh, all the all that good shit. The granaries, the, the big stockpiles. All that's in the walls protected by uh you know tall towers um using natural barriers to sort of further fortify the city and then farms foresters a lot of quarries that tends to be outside the walls and when the vikings show up i just sort of shut the buildings down everyone rushes inside and uh, we see how it goes what's interesting is the vikings will seem to even if they're passing through undefended areas, will sort of home in on your city. Um, straight like that. I've noticed that even if they um, make landfall in one of my villages, they'll march through the village and often just ignore everything. Like, I don't bother no closing kidding. down anything. And they will march through it. Now, sometimes they might burn something, but actually, more often than not, they'll march straight to the city. Because that's their that seems to be their main target. Well, it looks to me like they are drawn to the highest value buildings they possibly can. So, like, that if there's a it, hospital, the Vikings yeah. do not like. So basically, it seems to me like so you'll have multiple Viking ships land, and each one will land a party or an ogre, but usually like the land a party, and all the Viking ar armies will like try to pathfind the shortest route to the highest value building they can. And so if there's a hospital, they're going to try and get at that hospital. Uh, once the hospital's been torched, then they'll torch something else that's valuable. It could be a big stockpile, whatever. Uh, that sort of seems to be what's governing the uh, the, the movement of the Vikings, uh, which which does sort of like... Sort of like, since I never had like outlying villages, I've never seen that behavior, but I have totally noticed that like once they're in the grid of the streets they seem to go for they want to burn something that I will miss <laughs> and they will, they will go uh, un until they torch it. Uh, that seems to be roughly how it works. It was a surprise because I was kind of at first when I was building these little hamlets, I was a little bit worried. I was like, am I going to have to rebuild all of these? Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they won't just completely ignore them. They might do a bit of damage and occasionally I've lost like a farm or a, a windmill and things like yeah. that, but they, they don't, 
tend to dilly-dally around there and go straight for the walls where they just get picked off by the archers. But it's still worth putting a tower in these outlying settlements just to be on the safe side. It is nice once they start like doing the long walk around your city too and just like eating all the damage from your towers. That that always feels nice. Um, One weird thing that yeah. is really unusual. I'm not sure if have you if you've built walls to the sea. But yeah. um if the, the, the Vikings will just go around the wall. What do you mean? As in, so, oh they'll, no, yes, they'll they'll, they'll yeah. jump into the water and <laughs> swim it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, of course they will. But no, just, I, to me, I didn't even think about it at first. Oh, I God, no. I had, this, I had this disastrous... So my first map, uh, I was like... It was this big, like, continent-type configuration, but there was this, like, deep bay that went into the heart of it. And so basically, like, roughly the land was, like, two giant arms encircling this bay and then a pretty large uh, central landmass uh, at the edge of the bay. And so, yeah, I uh, I walled the sea, and I was like, cool, that's done, and I never fortified downtown, because uh, obviously the walls went all the way around the city to the edge of the bay. Obviously, the Vikings weren't going to get there. Uh, and then, yeah, they, uh, they just sort of hop into the water and just swim uh, in your city, uh, which is pretty... Which is pretty surprising. But it's very Viking. It's, you know, just but jumping in the water. Who what happens if they have no place to land? Like, if you wall the entire edge of the land, where do the ships go? Well, uh, when they, um... Like, yeah, say you would... Oh, you mean, oh, if, you, if there's not a single place for their, their yeah, main ship say to land. Yeah, say you had encased the entire landmass. Because you could do that. Uh, yes, you can. Sir, they would probably... That's a really good point. Like, how would the ogres even start smashing those walls? Seems like it might break the game. Uh, but <laughs> obviously that's... But if you can do that, you already have one. Like, the game is yeah. over. So it's something... The amount, the amount of stone and wood you would need to encase the entire landmass. Yeah, that's absurd. That's <laughs> that's that's when, that's when you will know you will have completed. Uh, you play it on the hardest difficulty. Once you've done that, you've completed kingdoms and castles. <laughs> All right, uh, so that is going to do it for this week. Uh, we be, we'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced this week by Jonathan Downen and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, for Troy Goodfellow and Fraser Brown, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.